Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Well, I am super excited to be with you. And if you, we're not having a cooking lesson today in case probably don't want one for me, but um, I am excited about the word that I believe God has for us today. Um, it came because actually I've been in different conversations with people over the last several months and sitting down, um, just listening to people's story, where they are with this year and the things they've been going through. And I found myself saying this phrase several times. And the first time I said it, I was like, that was kind of weird, but true. And the more I've met with people, the more I've talked about it, the more I've realized as I talk with them, this is what I'm saying. I've, I've said it a lot this year. Your life sounds like an Instant Pot. And if you don't know what an Instant Pot, that might not make total sense to you, but let me explain. This is not a new invention. In fact, it's just like a reimagined 1950s, what they used to call a pressure cooker. And a pressure cooker, my parents used to have one, it's this little pot with the steam and the pressure, it could take this roast that would take like hours and hours and hours to cook and cook it in under an hour. And you'd have this tender, amazing, beautiful meal. But also the pressure could explode and probably kill someone. So when I hear people talk about their lives and the things they're going through, I'm starting to sense this, this idea that it feels like a lot of people are in this pressure cooker of a season. And when we stop and think about collectively as a nation and as a world, what we've walked through over the last several years, we've kind of all been in an instant pot, right? Racial tension, um, political tension, the, 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 the fear and the threat of our physical bodies and disease. I mean, things are happening. We've known people that have lost loved ones. Maybe you have. I mean, things have happened this year. I've known people that have moved and marriages. I mean, you've probably, some of you have probably navigated a business through trying times like this and thought, how do I do this? This is hard. Or maybe an organization that you lead or a family. We've been in this place collectively where the tension and the pressure is mounting and we have this, really this opportunity to come out of this in this beautiful, tender, more like Jesus version of ourselves or maybe we could explode and kill someone. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure, but I know that the pressure is there and here's Here's what I feel like the Lord wants to say to us today. It's what we do in the middle of the pressure that determines who we're becoming. It's what we do in the middle of the instant pot of life that determines who we're becoming. Now, I want to think about that question for each one of us. Who are you becoming in this season? Who's your family becoming? Have we stopped to really consider what the pressure and what life has done to shape us? Because what we do in the middle of the pressure has the power to shape who we are. And here's the thing. God isn't in all of, he didn't create all of the tension. He didn't create all of the things that we're necessarily walking through. Part of it is life. Part of it's the enemy. Part of it is just 
what we're going to use as the verb from now on, like 2020. I can imagine like, oh, that was a really 2020, like that's going to be our thing, you know? He didn't send the pressure. He didn't create it. But I can tell you for certain, he is at work in the middle of everything we are experiencing individually and collectively to create within us and shape us into everything he's called us to be. He is at work in this season. And if we'll allow him and if we'll surrender to what he wants to do in the middle of it, we'll become more like Jesus. Last week, Preston's message was so so good. And if you didn't listen to it, you probably should leave right now or pause the video, go watch it, and then come back because we all needed to hear it. I needed to hear it. And it was this wake-up call. He, his message title was, A Few Do Nots for Right Now. And truly, he used John 10.10, 10, and he reminded us what Jesus said. And he said, the thief, the enemy, his purpose is to steal kill and destroy. And he challenged us with things to not fall prey to in this season. And for me, it was a wake-up call to get that mama bear that's inside of me be like, yes, not on my watch. But the other half of Jesus' statement in John 10.10, he said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to come and give them a rich and satisfying life. So we have this picture. We can either explode and be destroyed, or we can become and walk in a rich and satisfying life that Jesus intended us for walking, even in the middle of the trials and the troubles and the things that he promised us would come in this life. And so rather than us collectively as a church, as a nation, being victimized by 2020, I believe that God is at work to shape us. And so the title of today's message is actually Several To-Dos for Right Now. And if you're like me, you're like super happy right now because some of us just really love to-do lists. Like, you tell me three steps, how to find that perfect man, I am on it. Just kidding, I've already got that perfect man. Um, how to build my business, how to, you know, get my children to listen to me. I will follow that to-do list because there is nothing in me that can't just turn anything into, I don't know if I said that right, but basically what I'm trying to say is I have the power to turn anything into a performance, a checklist, to get it done because I love to do. You love to do? Yeah, I'm seeing the nods. We love to do and we love to-do lists. And this is not going to be three steps to get out of a pandemic. I don't have that list for you today, okay? But I do believe God wants to speak to where we are right now. And there are things that we can do that will shape who we become in this season. But before we step into the to-dos, you have to sign a contract, okay? You didn't know you were going to have to do that, but you do. So I want you to take out the communion elements because that's going to be your contract today. Because if you're like me and you can take anything and make it a to-do, we first have to come with some ground rules. And so the ground rule, before we step into any doing, we must first remember. We must first remember. 1 Corinthians 11.23 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
I think the Bible tells us to do this in remembrance because they know, the Lord knows, it is so easy for us to forget. It's easy for us to forget that we are broken. We're broken. Take out that bread, put it in your hand. If you're watching from home, take out the bread, whatever you've got, cracker. And I want you to break it. And as you break it, I want you to remember that Jesus' body was broken for your wholeness. In your own strength, in your own effort, there is nothing you can do to become whole. Jesus did it. We have to remember that first. So I want you to take the bread and I want you to eat it. This is your contract. You're promising me. You're not going to make it about you. And then I want you to take the cup. In verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 11, it says, In the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There is nothing you and I can do today that would give us access to God. Nothing. Jesus did it all. And it is easy to forget that. It's easy to get into that performance trap. It's easy to think that God is some divine pinata. And if we can do what's right, he's going to rain down a blessing and get us out of this situation. But if we don't first come with the reality that Jesus paid it all, we'll get it backwards. And so as you drink today, I want you to remember there is nothing that you can do to earn God's goodness, access to his throne. I want you to drink right now. So you've, your contract has been signed. You've taken communion. You will not make this about you. There are receptacles as you leave today so you can take your trash with you. But I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 if you have a Bible with you. And the Hebrews, as the author is writing to the people the Hebrew people, something really powerful. The entire book is like this portrait of Jesus. It paints a picture of who Jesus is, the person of Jesus. And I love, we're going to kind of hang out in chapter 10 and kind of skip around in Hebrews today. But there was a passage I read just the other day, and it was like this beautiful picture of what Jesus did through his sacrifice. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, I want you to hear this out of the message. It says, so friends, we can now without hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is Jesus' body. Prior to Jesus' coming, there was a holy of holies where people encountered God. They encountered his presence. And when Jesus died and his body was torn in two, that curtain was torn in two, and the access that we have now to the Father came because of Jesus. We are near. We can experience God's presence. We can experience right relationship with God, with Jesus. In essence, we got him. And the entire crux of this Advent season that we're in, the Christmas season, the word Advent literally means arrival. Arrival of what? Emmanuel, Jesus. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. 
he is with us. He's here. As much as we need him and we can't do it on our own, good news today, he is right in the pot with you in the middle of the pressure. He is close. He is near. He is with you. We don't have to wait. Jesus came and he did it all. And so as we go into any doing, we don't do to get him. We do because we've got him. We do because we've got him. And we don't do for God to move. We do because he already moved. He sent Jesus. And because of that, we can do in the midst of pressure, in the midst of any environment, we can allow him to shape who we are because Jesus came. So having said all that, are you ready for the do's? Great. Should I just go? No. Having said that, we can step into what we can do in the middle of when life feels heavy and hard and we get weary from what we're walking through. The first thing that we can do because we have Jesus is run into his presence. Hebrews 10, 21, right after what we just read, verse 19 and 20, says, and since, because of it, and therefore, and now that we have this great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. One translation says, let us draw near to God. And I know that the writer put that there because the Hebrew people needed that reminder. And I'm telling you, in the middle of our day today, we need it too. They were weary. They were persecuted. They were stepping out with this whole idea, the church of really embracing the Messiah and, and the cultural construct that they lived in. They were weary and they were discouraged. They were under a lot of pressure. Does it sound familiar? And the reason they got the reminder to draw near is because when the pressure is on, the temptation to retreat is stronger than ever. We can be in proximity to God, but it's easy to kind of be distracted, to find an escape. We have vices. I don't know what yours are. We have devices. But these things that come in to kind of be a buffer when the pressure's on. And in the middle of the pressure, in the middle of the tension, we're challenged to draw near. And I wonder why, and it's because in Hebrews 4.14, listen to this. Now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, like they want us to get this, Jesus came, he lived. We have access to God. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy Accept the help. The reason when the pressure's on, we're tempted to draw back is because the enemy knows that if we will draw near, we will tap into a source of power that's not our own. We have access to God's power to walk through whatever you're facing today. And it's so easy for us to be so distracted by all the things around us and the noise and the social media and all of the buzz of what's going on in the world from day to day and the news and everything that's screaming for our attention is challenging us to draw back. But you don't have enough power 
to get through this season and not explode, but he does. And so the challenge is to draw near. And I know it might kind of feel like I'm like force feeding you vegetables today. And you're like, it's Christmas. We should be having eggnog. Where's the goodness? But I've seen enough families and enough friends and enough people that are walking through hell right now. And some of them don't even realize the attack that the enemy's coming after them. And I'm telling you, there is something on the inside of us that needs to stand up and say, not on my watch. I'm unwilling to watch people around me explode because of the pressure and want to give up. And I'm saying that the Lord says, in the middle of this, I'm with you and there's some things that you can do. And so here's the challenge and the invitation to step out and do what we need to do to become who he's called us to become. Who has he called you to become? The answer isn't in you and I trying harder, newsflash. Galatians 3.3 says this, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue in this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose that you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It's not yet a total loss, but it will be if you keep this up. Here's the thing. We can't try harder to get through the pressure and the stress. We must, must run boldly to him. We must tap into a power and a source that's not our own. You know, lately I've heard this phrase come up in the last couple of years, and it's like when things are big and things are heavy and things are hard, there's always like a person on the internet going like, I literally can't even. Have you guys said that? You've, heard, you've probably said it. It's like, just feels too much. Like we can't, just like we can't even. We're like, it's too much. I can't even. And when I hear people say that, I want to be like, you're right. Like you literally can't even. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So no, you can't even, you can't even do anything. I can't even do anything. I cannot get through this season without tapping in and drawing near. And so there's a ferociousness and, and a, a tenacity that we have to come into his presence and say, I'm unwilling to be distracted and escape because I need him and I've got him. So why would I try to do it without him? Run into his presence. So here's the question to ask yourself. I want you to write it down. If, you don't, if it doesn't come to you right now, take this to him later today. What am I trying to do on my own right now? What area of your life? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe parenting. Career. And where do I need to draw near? Because it's possible to show up without drawing near. The second thing that we can do that the Lord invites us to do because of him is to hold on tight to our hope. Hebrews 10:23 says this, "Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise." I know it's hard for many of us to look around at the situations and the circumstances that we see ourselves in and find hope in them. 
We don't know how it could align. Things, don't, things aren't turning out the way maybe we thought they would. But here's the thing. Hope is not something to conjure up. It's someone we get to know. In the person of Jesus, we can have hope. Romans 15, 13 says this. Now may God, the inspiration and the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. May the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. And as disappointed and as frustrated as some of us have been with the way that things have turned out and the missed opportunities and the things that we thought would happen, our hope is not in circumstances aligning for our favor. Our hope is in the person of Jesus. It's a person to get to know. So do I need to get to know him right now? If I have no hope, do I need to get to know him as a hope for providing for me? Do I need to get to know him as a redeemer? Do I need to get to know him as a healer? If I'm struggling to hope, I don't have to hope in outcomes. I can anchor my hope to the person of Jesus. Hope is not something we conjure up. It's someone we get to know. You know, on my phone, I have this like little faithfulness of God list, right? And it's the things that I've written down that I know that I know that no matter what you say to me, no matter what I see, I know God showed up and he was faithful to me in this area. What are yours? And the activation for us here is to really like stop and think three things that you know that God has been faithful to you in. What are they? Put them on your mirror, put them in your car, Tattoo them on your body if you need to. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't advocate for that. But whatever it takes, that's all I'm saying. Whatever it takes for you to recount the faithfulness of God. Because that's what our hope is anchored in. It's not in outcomes. But it is really easy for us to put our hope in outcomes. So what is it? What have you been hoping in? That things would turn out in this situation the way you want them to? And we're human, so we, like, constantly put skin on it. Like, we, we visualize how it's going to happen. Like, we know, well, it's going to work out like this, and it's probably going to happen this way. And so when things don't align the way we thought they would, we lose hope. But when our hope is anchored to him, we can never be disappointed. Because he is at work in every situation for our good. And he is shaping us into who he's called us to become. He is shaping us. And we can hope that he is working out for our good in every situation. So we trust in him and not in outcomes. The third thing that we're invited to do because of Jesus is to mobilize each other for love and good works. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You know, I was driving up Scottsdale Road a couple days ago, like a week ago, and I was feeling super Christmas vibes. Like I had, you know, the 60 degrees, so obviously the sweater and boots are out. Like it is time. We are in Arizona. 
and I am going to go Christmas shopping. I've got the music playing and just pulled out of my neighborhood up onto Scottsdale Road, and I hit the first light that I come to, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Like, I'm feeling joy. I'm feeling, wow, this feels nice. And I hit the stoplight, and there's a car in front of me in this lane and a car in front of me in that lane. And all of a sudden, one person gets out of this car, and he comes over to this car, and they're just like having a full-on altercation in front of me. Like signs are flying, words are flying. I'm like, am I in danger right now? Do I need to get out of here? Is someone going to die? Because the anger and the just the outburst that was happening in front of me, I'm like, I've lost hope in humanity right now. All of a sudden, my Christmas spirit was gone, like in one second. So I'm like, what is wrong with our world? And I was reminded of the song that I'm not going to sing for you, but if you know the words, you can just finish them. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. If you don't know, it's probably because you're under 35. Um, (laughs) But we are living in a time when the world is on edge. Like people are kind of like at their max capacity. And I wish I was just talking about like the world and not the church, but like I've been on Facebook, so I know. Like the world needs the church to think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. Like that sounds revolutionary right now. But I know because he's in the middle of this pressure cooker, it's what he's asking us to do. And the fastest way, let me just give you a hint, to motivate someone to love and good works is to to love them and do good works for them. It is. 1 John 4, 9 says, we love because he first loved us. The love that the Lord's asking us to give the world and to each other doesn't come from us. We don't have that kind of love in us. When everything's going off and it feels like we might explode and you don't know how you're going to love your spouse, you don't have that kind of love within you. There's only one source. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. We call these the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of our labor, not the fruit of our effort, not the fruit of us trying really hard. No, this kind of fruit, when everyone around us is at max capacity, can only come when the presence of the Holy Spirit is permeating our lives. We've drawn near and we're operating from a whole nother source of love. And that's the kind of love that the world needs right now. That's the kind of love that will actually stop someone to go, well, maybe, maybe God is different because you have some sort of peace and gentleness. No one else is gentle right now. It's not love that we have that we can conjure up in us. It's love that can only come from the source. And that source is the Holy Spirit. We cannot force fruit in our lives. And it doesn't come from commitment to love more. It comes from surrender to be loved and to be a conduit of God's love. And the first thought I had when I thought about that man in front of me on Scottsdale Road 
was, I wonder what it's like to live in his house. Because I knew if this is how you're acting out here, I can only imagine how you're treating the people you live with. And so the challenge for us to stir each other up to love and good works, it begins in our homes. It begins by serving our families. It begins by serving our extended family. Who are you becoming? Have you asked your kids lately? Have you asked your close friends? Like in the middle of this pressure cooker of life, how am I being shaped? What fruit is your family experiencing from you right now? Is the fruit of you trying hard through gritted teeth to love them even when they make mouth noises and you just can't even stand it? That's just me. <laughs> or is the fruit that comes from being fully loved by God and fully drawn in and connected to the Holy Spirit? That's what the world needs right now. And so the question is, who does God want to love through you this week? How can you serve your family this week, today, right now? I believe he's challenging us to step in and move forward and really impact the world around us with his love. Like, it sounds simple, but I guarantee you it is what the world needs right now. And the fourth thing that we're invited to do, it's in Hebrews 10, 25, and it says this, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I know most often we use that scripture to really just tell everybody they need to come to church every week. (laughs) And we're living in a season where that's hard. And there are some of you watching online and you're like, I wish I could go to church this week. It's been hard. The enemies come in to try to isolate us in every way possible. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And when I think about the attempts to isolate us this year, to separate us, to divide us, It's ultimately so he can steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe that the Hebrew people in this scenario needed to be reminded to come together because when the pressure is on, we want to retreat. We want to retreat. This idea of like, me and my people, we need to step back. I need to like bunker down, get my cans of beans and weenies and really like stock up on toilet paper, and we just need to retreat. And I wonder, when Jesus told us, you're going to go, you're going to make disciples, you're going to trample on 
scorpions and serpents. You're going to encounter all kinds of danger. But don't worry, you've got authority over them. Does that sound like a retreat mentality? No. He's given us the authority to step out and actually advance in whatever that looks like in your life. Whatever challenges and and really obstacles you face, there is a way that you can advance today. But I can tell you the truth, you cannot do it alone. We're called to step in to relationship with each other. We're called to step into vulnerability, and that is hard. Galatians 6, 2, it says, carry each other's burdens. What does that mean? When it's heavy, when it's hard, when you want to just kind of curl up in the fetal position and tap out because you're done, we're we're invited to step out and ask others to come in to the middle of, of our mess, and your Instant Pot may be way messier than you wanted it to be. Your marriage may not look like you want anyone to get involved, but you're literally drowning right now. And Jesus says, don't isolate. Don't step back. Don't retreat, because that is where you are a target. We have to step in and show up, and the walls that we've built to kind of keep everybody at arm's distance so we can handle our stuff on the other side of the wall, we got to start taking those down and invite the people, God's people, the people that are going to speak truth, the people that are going to speak grace and wrap you up in God's love and remind you who you are when you've forgotten. Those are the people, he says, don't forget gathering with those people. Maybe it has to be on Zoom. Maybe it has to be on FaceTime. Maybe it's a phone call across the country. But I'm telling you, God's invited you into biblical community because you need it. You can't survive the Instant Pot without it. You can't survive the pressure cooker without it and become who he's called you to become. And it's easier. Trust me, I get it. The darkest times in my life were the most isolated times in my life. I was able to believe any lie I wanted to, and it felt really good to just believe it. I didn't have to love for real. I didn't have to run. No one was challenging me like, are you in God's presence? No, No, I was completely isolated, cut off, and really living alone, and I was a target. And it was not until I stepped into the light that the enemy got defeated. And that takes courage, that takes vulnerability, that takes strength, but that's what Jesus invites us to in biblical community. And so if we're going to survive discouraging times and pressure cooker times, we cannot do it alone. He says you got to stick together. You have to. In fact, Jesus modeled this for us with his whole life. He comes to the end of his life in Matthew 26. He knows, I'm about to go to the cross. I'm going to carry the weight of the world on my back. And not only that, I'm going to be separated from my father for the first time. I'm gonna die. And he's in the garden and guess what he does? He gathers his closest people. And he says in verse 38, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. If Jesus didn't do it on his own, neither can you. You can't. You can't become everything God wants to shape you into in this season alone. It requires 
relationship and vulnerability. It requires showing up and saying, I'm a mess, but I need you. I need you to carry my burden. It's really heavy right now. So what areas are you living in isolation right now? Where are you telling people just enough information? I know how to do this really good, so trust me. I know when you're pulling the wool over someone's eyes. You give them just enough information, maybe expose the details of what you're walking through, but there's a difference between exposing and vulnerability. Not to be crude, but you think about the act of intimacy in marriage. I can, I can go to a club and see one, someone expose themselves. But intimacy, it involves vulnerability. Right? You get me? You feel me? I can tell you what's going on in my life, but telling you how it's affecting me, that's a different story. But you should know, no, I don't know what's going on inside of you unless you step up and show up in vulnerability. Jesus said, my soul is crushed with grief. Like, I'm not okay right now. Why are we so scared to say that? If Jesus said it, I'm being crushed. The pressure is too much. We're invited to bring other people into it. We have to stick together. Would you close your eyes with me? Bow your heads. Watching online. Take a moment to really check your heart. Like, where are you at right now? Who, who are you actually becoming in this season? And maybe not this season, but maybe this week, maybe this month. What we do in the middle of the pressure can shape who we are. We have him. We have everything we need. But maybe you've retreated from him. Maybe you've drawn back and you've picked up vices or devices and you've kind of been distracted because that's easier than feeling the feels right now. Or maybe you've found yourself hoping in outcomes and just getting disappointment after disappointment when things don't turn out like you thought they would because your hope has been taken from really him to a circumstance. Maybe loving the people in your life has gotten so hard because you can't just really even understand why they're acting the way they're acting, why they're hurting you, why they're disappointing you, why they're rejecting you. And love feels hard. Or maybe you've been isolated. Built up walls, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally distant from God's people. Can I encourage you today that God invites us to do in the middle of the pressure? Not for him, but with him. But with him, Emmanuel, God with us. 
So if that's you and you'd say, you know what, I actually fall into one or all of these categories and I see where I am literally under this pressure and I don't know what to do and I want to step in and I want to really become everything God's called me to. I want him to shape me in the season. I want you to just stand up. If you're watching online, stand up. But if you're here in this room, I want you to stand up because I know God's here. I'm standing up because I want everything God has for me, guys. This world needs you and I to be the version of ourselves that God's called us to because we are part of bringing his kingdom onto earth. That's what we do. We get to live out a totally different kingdom right here. We're invited to do that. God wants to move in your life. He wants to shape you. He wants to use everything you're walking through right now to make you everything he's called you to be. That's what he wants to do. You can't do it by trying harder. We need him. So Lord, I just thank you that in every heart right now, God, you're showing up. In every life online here in this room, God, would we sense your arms open wide, that the places we've been distracted, maybe the the man on Scottsdale Road, maybe we haven't been him or maybe we are him, but we've acted like him. And now the enemies come with shame and condemnation and we're weighted by where we've missed it. Would you come and remind us that you're with us in the middle of our mess, cheering us on, going before us. You know what we're walking through. You've walked through it all and you've made a way for us to be shaped by these experiences in our lives right now, God. Move in us, shape us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.